Welcome to the Trends Podcast. I am Rosanna Longobetter. This monthly series explores the changes happening throughout Boulder County through the experiences of community members, especially those on the margins. We aim to shed light on community challenges, solutions, and paths forward for the county and the country. The Calwood Fire, from almost exactly one year ago, would eventually enter the history books as the largest ever recorded in Boulder County and the fifth costiest in Colorado. Aided by strong down sloping winds with gusts up to 60 miles per hour, the fire, which started around noon on October 17th, would spread at a rate of 35 acres per minute during its first three hours and would end up causing damage to more than 10,000 acres of land. Over 30% of the affected area sits on national forest land. In some ways, the fact that the Calwood Education Center, where the fire started, is somewhat far from highly populated areas prevented the fire from destroying as many homes and structures as some other fires in the county. And most importantly, no human lives were lost. But that didn't make the fire any less alarming, especially to Nursey Kearns, who was spending time with her family at Calwood Educational Center camping on that fateful day. My name is Nursey Kearns. I was here the night on Friday night, and we have a, a beautiful moment with my family. And then a Saturday morning, we wake up. It looks so beautiful, sunny, not, not so much smoke. And then um, we have breakfast. We rest for a little bit, and then we take a hike. And we were in the hike. We stop and have a lunch. And we were sitting with our kids and enjoy the weather. It was not too hot, not too cold. It was windy. And we were having lunch and then, and like we, uh, I remember uh, one of the coworkers called in the radio to the teacher and told, uh, told her to, we have to stop our lunch and move as faster we can. And we start walking and walking and walking and walking so fast. They don't tell us exactly what happened, but we, we, we only understand that we have to move on and uh, do the faster we can. And when we were walking, go back to the cabin, uh, there's another co-worker come to us and tell us, we gotta, we gotta move, we gotta, we gotta walk faster. There's, where we're getting so close to the cabin, they say, we gotta move, we, we only have 15 minutes to pack everything. And, I was so scared. We only had 15 minutes to pack everything. We, we wasn't ready. They do a, a wonderful job. They helped the families who were here and started pack everything. They help us. We put everything in the car and then we drive back our home. Explain to me what you are doing today. You know, what called you to come precisely today, a year from the day of the start of the fire, the Calwood fire. And what are you doing here? Are you here with your family? What's going on? Tell me. 
Yes, I was here with the family. We have a, uh, my daughter's in the natural kids program, and we were always come here at least once or twice a year to enjoy the camping. You know, we do camping in the summertime, and then we also do camping in, uh, in fall. Natural kids is a wonderful program. They like the kids and families getting more involved with the nature. I would love to come here again because even if I have a, like a, I had a bad memories, but in the same way, beautiful experience and memories. So I want even I know it's a little sad to come the day that we were in the fire, but at the same time, I want to, I want to, I want to come here and enjoy and then try to enjoy the weather and then try to have my, my daughter have a, a wonderful experience, memories that you will keep in your heart and they were never going to go away. As a Latina mom, living here in Boulder County with your family, what would you say to those out there that remember Calwood when they were kids or they have sent their kids up here to learn ecology, to learn how to live in the land, how to protect our forests? About Calwood and the future of this place. Calwood is a beautiful place for families, for kids, for everyone. Uh, and I feel like we need to support this program because this, this, this place is a wonderful place and we are so blessed to have people around there uh, help families with uh, come here with no cost. And uh, you know, it's, so I wanna share there, please, uh, support this program, support Cowood because there's so many families that would love to come here and they don't have the, they don't have the opportunity to come and I feel so lucky, so blessed in there. I can't able to come here, enjoy and then bring my family and then meet people, new people, different countries and different nationalities, uh, cultures, so I really love to be here. I forgot about it. I, I, I was so nervous right now and kind of like a little, a little kind of sad because whatever happened. I was here with my daughter, my two daughters, and it was, uh, I want to share with, the, with you guys as kind of like a, a special, a special memory. Um, my daughter, it was here when she was, I think, third, fourth grade, and we were talking that night in dinner time on Friday, and there, there she was here for the when the water, the flaw, and we never thought that we're gonna have two experience with the water and with the fire. So this is why the reason is just this memory is so so hard to to let it to to forget because my oldest daughter experienced. We were here and she was evacuated the same way we were evacuated when she was only uh, in the third grade and then she had to evacuate because the flood, because the water. And then we come back and then exactly another, you know, another disaster come with the fire. So we have two experiences, two, two memories with the water and with the fire. My oldest daughter that she had experience with the flood, she was here that she was here with me with the fire. When that fire happened, she was here, and then she was so sad, and she started crying because she said, Mom, I can't believe it, it happened, you know, how, how, how things happen, and I don't know what was the reason, but we, I, I, I can't 
I can't believe that I have to have a really bad experience with the flood. I was in the school camping, and then now we were here, and then we have to have the spirit with the with the fire. That was Nurse Kearns sharing her memories about the day of the fire a year ago, and also the experience of her older daughter, who back in 2013 experienced a similar evacuation, but at that time because of the floods. Kearns along with a group of people, were invited as part of a private tour to see the fire damage, the summer restoration results, and view of the extensive work to come. Rafael Salgado, executive director of Calwood Education Center, took the group to a private tour to where the fire started. Sobre el fuego del incendio, lo que pasó aquí, ¿verdad? Este, hubo aquí hay dos familias con nosotros que estuvieron ese día aquí durante el incendio. So, um, this fire, it happened a year ago um, tomorrow, and some of the families that are here today, they were actually here on the day when the fire was started. Y, y tuvieron que evacuar, ¿verdad? Este, fue algo bien estresante. Porque se pueden imaginar, ¿verdad? Este, el incendio empezó aquí en la propiedad, allí abajo, por aquí en este lugar, ¿verdad? The fire started about over there, uh, where it dips down. Um, so this is an interesting place for the imagination. No sabemos cómo sucedió este incendio, cómo empezó. Los investigadores vinieron, investigaron todo el, el, el área y no pudieron determinar la causa del incendio, que es algo Muy triste porque yo quería saber cómo es que empezó este incendio aquí en la propiedad, ¿verdad? Porque no hubo gente, no había actividad humana, entonces no sabemos hasta ahorita cómo empezó. Um, so when investigators uh, came to check out this area, they, it's still undetermined how the fire started. Um, and it's really sad because this is such a beautiful place and um, there wasn't any a trace of uh, people being here or any sort of activity. and so. Um, it's still very difficult to understand. Ese día estaba haciendo mucho viento, ¿verdad? Muchísimo, muchísimo viento. Este, si se acuerdan, había dos incendios más en Colorado. En el norte de aquí, el Cameron Peak, y al oeste de aquí, que es el Travels on Fire, ¿verdad? Al otro lado de la división continental. So big, it started on the other side of the Continental Divide and actually blew over. It's the first fire in Colorado to cross over the Continental Divide. That's how strong the winds were. Those same winds were blowing the Calwood fire. So Rafa is trying to say how strong these winds were. They were strong enough to blow a fire over two miles of nothing but rock. Sí, imagínense, el incendio del otro lado brincó, como dice Teresa, ¿verdad? La división continental. Esto estaba haciendo bastante viento. Entonces, este incendio empezó, llegaron los bomberos, investigaron cómo podían atacarlo y se dieron cuenta inmediatamente que iba a ser imposible de combatirlo aquí porque se fue rápidamente hacia el este a una velocidad que era imposible de ponerse enfrente de ese incendio, ¿verdad? Um, yeah, so the firefighters, they arrived here trying to keep it under control, but it was just impossible to fight from this area. And so they moved more towards the east and tried to get in front of the fire, um, but it was really difficult because of the speed of the movement. 
en un momento estuvo, estuvo quemando 35 acres por minuto. Imagínense, ¿verdad? Entonces, es una velocidad este, bastante rápida, ¿verdad? Entonces, el incendio aquí, como pueden ver, empezó a quemar algunos de los árboles, pero donde se quemó el 100% de los árboles fue en las laderas, ¿verdad? Si ven hacia atrás, donde están las laderas, ahí se quemaron los árboles el 100%, ¿verdad? And the fire, it was traveling laterally. Um, so you can see the marks um, this way, the way that it was, um, uh, the shape of it. And, yeah. And it was just so steep, is that right? So you burn 100% of the trees on the, on the steep hills. Entonces, prácticamente lo que yo quería decirles, ¿verdad? Este incendio nos dejó con mucho trabajo, ¿verdad? Porque ahora hay que restaurar el bosque. Este, hay que plantar arbolitos, no solamente arbolitos, también arbustos, flores y todo eso, ¿verdad? Para que el bosque se recupere. Pero la pregunta es, ¿cómo queremos el bosque que sea? El nuevo bosque. Igual que el anterior, pues posiblemente no, ¿verdad? Porque se quemó. Entonces tiene que ser un bosque que pueda combatir un incendio de estos, ¿verdad? Que pueda sobrevivir. We can't recreate the forest that, um, that burned, uh, but we are able to imagine a new future. And we can already see that the forest is recuperating with um, this new growth of um, the brush. And the seeds we're planting today, we're really planting for future generations. We're not going to be able to see them um, become 300 years old, like this tree back here. Um, this tree is about 50 years old, I believe. 150. Yeah, so we're planning for the future. and. Um, I, and who knows what this new forest is going to look like with all the change that um, comes with the area. Amy Holland, art student at CU Boulder, explains the memorial installation created in collaboration with Nature Kids and other students during the summer. I had this idea after the fire had started about creating an installation with mirrors and through that idea process, I was connected to this group called Science Discovery who led a workshop in August. And two of those students are here today, um, Dalton and Gio. And the students during that week traced the tree rings onto plexiglass with Sharpies during a workshop which I led. And we were thinking about the tree's past history and also the future of this forest. And then from those tracings, I digitized them and etched them into these metal plates that are mirror reflective to reflect the surrounding landscape. And I really want this to be a place where people can come together and think about the history of the forest, but also um, have positive hope for the future of the forest and the planet. The idea behind this whole creation is that this forest needs to be honored. Um, it's been with us for a long time. The oldest uh, tree here out of the Sumps was 138 years old. Um, so there's very old trees present and I feel like they deserve to be honored and recognized. And in our society, there's not a lot of space for people to gather um, and you know mourn, but also celebrate climate change because it is happening here and the fires are very present in our history locally. Um, so my hopes are that this is a space where people can gather and celebrate and connect over the forest. Why is art communicator and um, form of bringing communities together? 
Art breaks down communication barriers. I see it as a universal language where everybody can relate to and connect to through it. Teresa Chapman, a fire expert with the Nature Conservancy, teaches the group how to prepare seeds from Ponderosa trees to get them planted in the burned areas. Calwood Fire Ecology Course. They are experts now in what we're going to do today, so I'm going to pull in their help. And then I also have with me Michael Pineda, who is a CU Honors student in the Geography Department. And she's doing an honors thesis on reforestation in wildfires as well. So she's been working with me all summer. She actually got a grant to help me this past summer. She's been a critical part of our research and building capacity to do this important work. So she's also going to help us out. Okay, so a little bit of background. Does everyone know what kind of tree this is right here? Uh, I think it's a pine tree. Yeah, it's a pine tree. Awesome. How do you know it's a pine tree? Because uh, pine cones have been falling from above it. Yeah. And also pine needles. Okay, so it's got pine cones, right? And it's got pine needles. Okay, does anyone know what type of pine tree this is? No, but I know it also has these things. Oh yeah, do you know what those are? No, these fertilize the um, pine cones so that they can actually regrow in the the tree. Yeah, they have pollen. So that's a pollen cone. Excellent. Look at how great you guys are. Okay, and so can so this tree? It's a pine tree. It has these female cones which produce seeds. It has male cones which produce pollen. Awesome. And the name of this tree, who knows the name of this specific sort of pine tree? Yeah. Pino. Pino? It's called Pino in Spanish. That's awesome. Thank you. And it has an even extra name so we can tell, tell it apart from other pine trees because there's a number of pine trees in Colorado. So this one is called? Ponderosa pine. Ponderosa pine. So this is a Ponderosa pine tree. And what you'll know about this pine tree a couple cool things one is all these cones you see on the ground right but how far do these cones look like they fall from a grown tree do they fall very far or pretty close I think they could fall pretty far if it's windy because the wind could like pick it up and like yeah how far do you think that is uh if it's strong wind probably like feet away yeah how feet how many feet like 10 feet. Yeah, does that sound far or close? Uh, sounds quite far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it could seem far for a pine cone to go that distance, but if you're trying to grow trees in the middle of these huge wildfires, how far would these cones have to go to get in the middle of an area that had just burned? Yeah, they'd have to go a lot further than 10 or 50 feet, right? Okay, and so what we've noticed is when we have these huge wildfires that come through Colorado, particularly in areas with ponderosa pine trees, in the middle of where the fire burned, and we don't have any surviving trees, like these trees producing these cones, we tend to see that there's no new baby trees, seedlings, after the wildfire, because the cones can't get that far into the fire. And so these big burn areas don't have a lot of new seedlings growing in them. 
And so what we are doing is we're saying, how can we help these areas recover from wildfires? We think these areas need help because we need to get the seeds from the cones far into the fires where they can grow into seedlings. So that's what we're going to need your help on today. Any questions about what I've said so far? Oh, you guys are so great. Okay, so what we are going to make today, I actually don't have a sample to show you, but anyone who wants to make something, what we're going to be doing today is making something called a seed ball. And we take some mud and we take a seed. We gathered these seeds from Ponderosa pine cones. We actually gathered them two years ago. I'll tell you something else that's really interesting. The seeds are, I know these look really small, but they're actually pretty big. They're kind of big for seeds. Hi guys, welcome, come on up. And what you'll notice is when you look up on these trees, do you see any cones, new cones that maybe, you know, we would, we'd get to harvest this year? Do you any, see any cones where we might be able to gather some seeds this year? Do you see any? Uh, I think I might see some in the trees still. But not really, right? You don't see a lot of pine cones up in these trees. And that's because something interesting, the mice, the mice love these seeds. They eat lots of them. The birds, they love these seeds. They eat lots of them. Everything loves these seeds. The chipmunks, the squirrels. And so what these trees do is they don't make a lot of cones every single year. They try and trick the animals. And every now and again, maybe every five years, maybe every 10 years, we don't always know because they're trying to trick us too. All these trees will all make cones in the same year and they'll flood the area with seeds. And so all these cones, you see a lot of these cones on the floor? These are from two years ago when all these trees had tons and tons and tons of cones and we were able to gather a lot, a lot of seeds. But that's a rare event. And so we're pretty lucky that we have these seeds because they're pretty hard to gather. So we gathered these two years ago and we have huge bags of seeds that we gathered and they're in a freezer in storage and we're waiting for people like you to help us get these seeds out into the middle of the fires. So these are the seeds and what we're going to do so that the animals can't find the seeds when we put them in the fire is we're going to roll the seed in a little ball of mud so that the mice can't smell the seed. So it's going to be hidden in the seed ball and then when we put the seed ball in the middle of the fire it's over the winter that mud is going to kind of melt away, dissolve away, and then the seed will be able to grow into a new tree. And that's the process of how we're going to help the forest grow new trees. Any questions about that? Yeah. ¿Por qué estamos plantando semillas en arbolitos, verdad? I'm asking, like, why not planting trees? What's the difference between planting trees and seeds? And I don't know if you ever explained that. So the question is why seeds instead of trees? And the answer is if you, when you explore Calwood, you'll see the areas that burned, a lot of them are very dangerous, steep slopes with a lot of dead standing trees. It would be really dangerous to get crews into those areas to try and plant trees. 
It's very dangerous. It's very um, inaccessible. The areas can be far from roads. And so what we're hoping to do is that if in maybe the first year or two years after a fire, if we can distribute seeds in those areas, then we can use crews and people to plant kind of the safe areas. So where it's safe, we can use small seedlings, but where it's more dangerous, we're gonna try and use seeds. How did you get there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, do you know, does anyone wanna guess how would we get the seeds to the really steep slopes far away? What would we do? Uh, maybe like use a catapult. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like a slingshot, I love that idea. They do that in Africa, yeah. Drop them out of helicopters. Yes, and do you know what? We did that this summer. We dropped seeds out of a helicopter this summer when Rafa's team was doing some work. We actually sprinkled some seeds in the mulch of the helicopter and distributed on some of the burn areas. Great answer. What else? Crebuche. What is that? It's like a catapult. Except it can throw things further. Okay. And it throws overhand with uh, like, like a rubber weapons. band instead of a spring. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Have you tried with drones? Yes, with drones. Good answer with drones. So that is what we're really testing. There are a lot of companies that have these big drones. And we can load up the drones and they can fly the drones over the fires. So because we live in such a dry area, it's really hard to get seedlings that we grow in a nursery and we plant in the wild to live. Most of them die, a high percentage of them die. If we can get a seed to establish on its own as a seedling, it has a really high chance of living because its roots are used to the soil and don't go through like shock when you plant them. So if we can get the seeds to grow, they have a higher chance, a better chance of turning into trees. Stacy Forsyth, Director of Science Discovery at CU Boulder, shares the growing list of partnerships that are already using the outdoor classroom to study wildfire behavior in a field laboratory. By integrating hands-on fire ecology, restoration, and mitigation curriculum into the current environment education program, kids are better understanding how fires affect us all and what can be done to remediate the damage and keep the forest healthy. One of the programs that we've run for several years has been a field course for high school students to engage them in the work of, kind of experiencing the world and studying the field um, and studying our local ecosystems. And last year, after the, after the Calwood fire, we transitioned our field course to take place here at Calwood Education Center so that teens could really study the wildfire, look at its impacts in this forest, and not just that, but also think about what they could do to help moving forward. So what kinds of work are scientists doing now to better understand how wildfire is impacting our forests? And what can they do to help reforest these areas once they've been impacted? So. This activity was something we did last summer with the teens. It's something that the families are engaging in now where they are actually rolling the seeds in mud to protect those seeds and to help give them a better start and hopefully a better chance that they will germinate in the spring. I think here in Colorado, it's we're, we're really noticing every year the impacts of climate change in our state, whether it's the increasing prevalence of fires or the smoke that we're dealing with every summer or how it's impacting our watersheds and, and dealing with flooding and other things like that. And so um, 
youth today are also realizing this, and I think it can be a really distressing and daunting topic to think about how climate change is impacting impacting us, not just on a global scale, but also locally here at home. And so our goal in this program was really to help engage youth in learning about the impacts of climate change in our region, but hopefully in a way that is inspiring and empowering, where they're seeing how scientists are working to address this problem. We're so fortunate in this area to have a wealth of scientists and organizations who are researching climate change and working to mitigate the impacts of climate change in our community. The fire had terrible effects on the environment and the wildlife that inhabits the national forest land. While many large animals had to be sheltered elsewhere during the fire, there are countless smaller species that are and will probably forever be uncounted for. As a result, many educational and scientific projects were affected as well. Now, a year later, almost to the day, we can reflect on the consequences of these fires. While the cause of the Calwood fire is undetermined, we can be sure that longer, hotter summers will only increase the probability of more fires. For KGNU, I am Rosanna Longoveter. The Trends Podcast series is made possible with support of KGNU listener members and Community Foundation of Boulder County.